welcome to Before the Bid, your connection to some of the world's best livestock sales. Stay tuned as your host, Andy Howe, takes you coast to coast, stopping along the way to talk with producers about their operation, their livestock, and of course, their upcoming sales. Let's get to it. Welcome, livestock friends, to this Before the Bid podcast. And on this one, we are going out east. We're going to be out in New York for this podcast, and we're going to be in eastern New York, and we're also going to be in central New York. And I have two gentlemen on the phone that have taken big risks and made very big moves and started over from where they were and have built a program up and just really going along with it. And they are going to have a sale coming up, and that sale is going to be on October the 22nd. And again, it's going to be out in New York. It is going to be in Lyons, New York. And they're going to have it at one of the farms here. And so they're going to gather a couple of these cattle. There's a couple other operations that are in this that are going to come together and have this sale. And we're going to be talking about the Telly Fergus Angus sale. And I have on the phone with me Robert Groom from Lyons, New York. And also I have Doug Giles from Millbrook, New York. Guys, want to welcome you here to the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. It's a privilege to be on and talk some cattle. That's what we like to do. We've got a few things to talk about before we get there, and one of them kind of failed to mention here on the introduction. We've got a legal immigrant uh, that, uh, <laughs> that, that decided he needed to come to the United States and uh, make a huge move, born in Ireland, and then went to Scotland. Is that right, Robert? Uh, born in England. Oh, went born to, in England. Went to okay. Scotland, which is a lot more unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> The, the move to Scotland from England? Is, you, you yeah, yeah, it's there? very unpopular, very unpopular. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but you, you made yourself okay right there uh, for, oh, yeah. for quite a few yeah. years, right, in Scotland? Yep, yep, yeah, so kind of where we started the first Tully Fergus herd, and uh, that was the name of the farm in Scotland, and, and when I came to the States, I figured, well, there's probably no one else going to be using that name, so I might as well, you know, keep it and uh, start up with it here. Right. Um, the worst thing about it is it uses up 11 characters of the animal name, so it kind of <laughs> limits your options a little bit. Right. Which, if you if you go to the back of the catalog, there's an animal in there that was running out of characters to get the name. So, <laughs> yeah, that is quite a few to use up in that. Yeah. Well, Robert, we'll start with you, and and we'll get to Doug here in, in just a minute. But again, a, an immigrant from England to Scotland, and then you decided to come to the United States, and you've been here almost twenty years. Is that right? Uh, twenty four years, actually. Just coming up here uh, around actually the twentieth of October will be been here uh, twenty four years. And yeah, I had an you know raised Angus herd in Scotland. We. I started that myself in, in 1987. I'm a reformed dairyman. That's what my family did for oh. generations before was milk cows. And my dad and, and myself didn't really fancy milking cows for the rest of our lives. And <laughs> right. we did something different. We moved to Scotland and we got into uh, beef and, and sheep operation and, and growing some small grains and then got into the Angus cattle just kind of by accident. And then I got an opportunity to come to and travel the States and study the breed here. And when I went home, that's when I became an Angus breeder. That's when I 
I had a real focus then on on what it meant to be in this breed and and, and what it was going to take to breed good cattle and and what good cattle really looked like. And so that was an eye opener. And then the other thing that I saw when I was here was a was a National Junior Angus show, and, and there was nothing like that anywhere else. And and there's certainly nothing like that in Britain. And I just kind of made a, a deal with myself that if I ever had the opportunity that I would come to the states and it would be an opportunity for my kids to to participate in something that was was just a phenomenal experience. And so that's what got me going, and that's what took my trigger to look for an opportunity and when i found one and and who knew it'd be in new york but here it is and so um <laughs> the cattle we, country of the world it's, yeah <laughs> it's, it's not often that you 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 know you link new york and the land of opportunity you're more thinking along uh, you know the, right. the, maybe the land in that big city over there but uh, yeah. yeah as far as as far as agriculture probably not uh, yeah not not what people would think is the land opportunity no no but it looked like an opportunity and and so we, we sold up everything over there that we had and packed what we couldn't sell into a shipping crate and moved on over. Myself, my wife, and my son was 18 months old at the time. So that's what we did and went from there. It's uh, It's been a wild ride. So was it basically a move to be able to raise Angus cattle? The way I likened it was that I don't want to overstate it, but I was doing pretty well with the Angus cattle we had in the Britain okay. uh, that we were breeding over there. We were we were selling some bulls. We had a pretty good roasted herd. I'd I'd bought an, a couple of American donor cows, and we were flushing them in Canada to circumvent some of the, the rules to try and get new genetics. Mm-hmm. And we had a very successful dispersal. I I was serving on the council of the society at that time, which would be like our board of directors here. Okay. You know, and at the time I was like you know 28, 29, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And so we were doing pretty well, and 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 a lot of people thought I was flat out nuts to throw all that up in the air and and just go take a kind of a manager type job in in New York. But it was like playing the one armed bandit, you know, down at the local pub versus going to Vegas and playing poker. Right. And the big game was here, uh-huh. and and this is where I wanted to be. This is you know, and I say that the Junior Angus's program is something that I was so impressed with, like. The green jackets and their, right. their maturity and their ability and their leadership and and the whole deal that was just nothing like that i mean I, you know i was 21 year old years old when i came to the states first in 89 and i didn't know any of my friends including myself that had that level of maturity at 21 <laughs> years old i mean right. you know it was just completely different but it was different in a very good way and it was different in a way that made me think that this was the opportunity that i wanted for my kids Right. You know, that it was going to be better. And that's dedication, especially for the kids to pack up and move. And you left some behind as well, some people behind uh, that, mm-hmm. are, that are still there. And, and where are they at? Well, so my, my folks carried on farming there. My sister in 2000 actually had gone out to New Zealand a couple of years before to work out there. And she met a guy out there. And then they got married in 2000. And they have a farm down in New Zealand. And, and in 2014, my folks emigrated to New Zealand, sold the farm and emigrated to New Zealand to spend their retirement down there, which is kind of like going to Florida. I mean, it, you know, the weather's pretty even and it's, hmm. you know, nothing too wild. They can play golf every day if they want. And right. It's, um, you know, my dad goes and helps my brother-in-law on the, they have some vineyards and grow quite a few grapes for a couple of companies over there. And, mm-hmm. and then they have some livestock as well. So he still gets to keep his hand in doing that and keep some of the birds out of the, the vineyards. So he got to take his 12 gauge with him and <laughs> put that to use. So, and, and it, my dad was always a very good shot. I mean, you know, we ate quite a few uh, 
Christmas dinners where the, the turkey was one that he'd won at a, at a clay shoot somewhere. Oh, awesome. He, he was a pretty good shot. Still is a pretty good shot. And he's still pushing 80 years old. And he's, he's a good shot. So anyway, they, they settled in down there. And, and so there's just my brother and, and sister-in-law left in Scotland. And he was never interested in the farm anyway. He's always worked in like human resources and things like that. So yeah, everything has worked out pretty nicely. My folks have been here and visited us. We've been to New Zealand a couple of times, visit them. And it's interesting. You get to see some different things. Neat. Well, tell us a little about the family that you brought over with you. So, yeah, my son was 18 months old when he came over, and he grew up. He showed cattle a little bit. He wasn't really that into it. His interests were elsewhere. He went to college out in Oklahoma, met a gal out there, got married, and then actually they moved back to Lyons last year, so they're working out here. And then my older daughter just turned 21 yesterday, which is hard to believe. Oh, wow. Um, she's halfway through a master's in uh, Connecticut, so uh, she's working away there. And then my youngest is 16, and she's the one who loves to show cattle. She lives it and breathes it, and she does a lot of our halter breaking now, and she's into it. Right. So, I, I was going to say, she's kind of diehard, uh, according to yeah. some of the things you post on your Facebook and things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She is a serious competitor. She she loves showmanship she loves to compete i mean everyone likes to win but she likes the competition and she's made a lot of good friends in this business across the state across the region across the country it's, it's just a just a fun deal to be part of right yeah and across the country when when you go to breakfast out in uh, nebraska at the national junior angus show and there's robert groom sitting there uh eating, <laughs> eating breakfast with you at the hotel why uh man that's that's dedication and and going the distance uh for yeah, your daughter yeah it was a lot more fun with two dollar diesel. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Next year, uh, I hope we can get this thing under control because both of us are going to be hurting, but but probably not me as much as you are. Um, no, it it made a dent this time. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that that as well too. So uh, that's awesome, and, and what a great story. And uh, you're still sending some things back to scotland is that right to to do yeah a few things? yeah we we had um, a young lady came and worked for us in 2015 and at the end of the summer she was really into the cattle she really understood what we were trying to do as far as our breeding program and i said well you know we've got some eggs in the tank here we've got some other cows we could flush we could send some embryos over there and i got a friend over there that would have some recips that they could put them into and get her started, uh, basically a straight U.S. pedigree mm-hmm. herd built on cows and cow families that we developed here. Mm-hmm. And so we send a couple of three different lots of embryos over there now, and their herd is slowly growing. And, uh, you know, the biggest challenge is trying to find sires that, that she can use on those cows, mm-hmm. you know, because there's not that many American genetics managed to get over there. And a, a lot of the stuff that does is not something I would pick, you know, to use. Okay. And so that makes it a little tougher, but she started being able to sell a few bulls and she's got some interest in what's, what they're doing, you know, basically doing it like we do. They have the heifers at two years old and that's not that common over there. Right. Or not as common as it should be. A lot of people still calve heifers at three years right, old. Right. And so she's doing that stuff and cull hard and, and look for good out of quality, good feet and legs, thrifty cattle that will gain and, and do well and stick around for a long time. I mean, longevity is the key. So. Right. That's what we're doing. And they're probably a little better looking than most of those other cattle over there, aren't they? Is <laughs> <laughs> my understanding. Yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> Some of those cattle look pretty hard to look at. Yeah, Dad talks about those cattle are so hard to look at, and, and so maybe maybe we'll get them a little American style over there. Yeah, it's tough because of their grading system, mm-hmm. um, but I think the reality is that 
if subsidies go away, it's going to be very hard to be profitable with a lot of those very big cows mm -hmm. that are very heavy muscled and very hard doing. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be a tough haul to try and make that pay. Right. And and so I think at that point there's going to be some some sense of reality is going to return to it. Right. And Robert, your operation now in in New York and it, it probably kind of goes with along with those over to Skyline. You try to do a forage based operation, correct? Right. Because I'm cheap. I mean, I <laughs> I hate to I hate to spend you know money on on stuff when the you know when the cattle can forage it themselves. I, I you know we try and graze for as long as we can. I mean, we manage our grazing. We we do some rotational grazing. I mean, I'm not overly intense about it, but I we rotate pastures and we we try and keep them moving and keep the grass coming on. And, and we don't feed any grain to anything once it's you know more than a year old. That that's the end of the grain ration. They, oh wow! They get it from, get it from weaning till till about a year of age, and and then we cut it off. It's hay or it's baleage or it's grass. Oh wow! And um, that's what they'll eat, you know. And 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 in some tough years they've eaten corn stalks as well. Right. <laughs> so right, you know. Um, but that's that's the basis of it. Is my innate thriftiness is making them work for a living. Right. Keep those those input costs down, and but still have something that's functional and looks good. And, right. And and works. And right. again, sticks around for a long, long time. I like cows that live till they're twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. Right. Right. And be able to pass that on to your customers as well. Uh, right. That that they can do kind of what they want with those cattle if they want to feed mm -hmm. them a little bit they can and, and they'll be fine but if they want to use them on forage why they're bred for that right right and and that's how our most of our commercial customers i mean there's no bells and whistles there they're just you know those cows expect to work and so we want to manage our cows like like our commercial customers would and and so that when they use our bulls they're going to get females that they can keep and use and and they're going to have steer calves that are going to be it'll be worth something in the marketplace right very diverse and, and do what they want so mm -hmm. awesome also you've got a big month or so coming up here in the american angus association you are a board candidate again for the american angus association i am for my sins i was encouraged at the junior angus show in the summer to consider running again by several people and uh, i hadn't really thought about it at that point but then i thought well what's the harm i can what's the worst that can happen Right. You know, the worst that can the worst that can happen is, you know, I get beat again and I I go home and and get on with my life. So, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> that's you know if that's the worst that can happen, I'm pretty good with that. Absolutely. But, but, you know, but I love the breed. I mean, I I am a fanatic, and I'd love the opportunity to serve on that board. And, and I look at the board right now, and there's a lot of people on there that I I just love to be able to work with for the next three years and pick their brains and, and hopefully be able to contribute something useful to the, the discussion as a breed moves forward and maybe bring a little different perspective and, and that be useful to the to the breed and the membership as a whole that, that's my goal right it's, this needs to be good for everybody and it can be right correct and, and it should be right it should be we're a member association you know whether you've got 10,000 cows or one cow your voice is equal right and your your interests ought to be considered. Right. I appreciate that thought and that outlook. Thank that, you. That is awesome. That is awesome. Doug Giles, how did you meet up with the guy from Scotland, Robert Groom? Well, you know, part of me would like to say there was a bottle of scotch, but I don't like <laughs> <laughs> Now we know the real part. Yeah, okay. If there was, I didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, we've traveled together. I know that part. <laughs> I think we were talking about this 
before, and I think that Robert and I met when I was working for Highfield Angus in Clinton Corners at one of their sales in the late 90s. Okay. And then we, uh, over the next couple of decades, much as that makes us sound older than I think we are, we've served together on state Angus board and state beef producers and helped run a and start a couple of different shows for the kids and we're always kind of bouncing into each other well that sounds awesome doug tell us a little bit about about your program and tell us a, a little bit about who's involved with that as well if you would sure i left my family farm in 95 i went out to highfield angus i built a bunch of panels and gates and i came out for 30 days to help them get ready for their first sale mm-hmm and at the end of 30 days, they offered me the herdsman job. Mm-hmm. And you know, this part's a true story. And, this, and I don't remember if it was 95 or 96. They said, we want to give you a house, health insurance, a truck, and $20,000 a year. Wow. And I called home and I told my dad, because we were farming together. My dad, my grandfather, and myself were farming together mm-hmm. in western New York. And uh, he says, if you don't take the job, I'm going to. He says, that's more than the three of us draw put together. <laughs> I decided then that maybe I'd come out for a couple of years. And then I, you know, I always had it in the back of my head that I'd end up back home. I was at Highfield for three years. And then I worked for the Colgate family for five or six. And I had the opportunity to take over the management at Wallbridge Farm, which has been here since 52. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. G- George Perkins started that. And they were you know huge through the 60s and the 70s you know they did a lot of showing and they had a farm in new york and one in kentucky and you know a bull sale and a female sale and it was an honor to work for mr perkins and he was the nicest man that i've ever met in my entire life oh wow that's neat just a joy mm-hmm. and uh he passed away two years after i started working here and his daughter called me one night and she says i don't want to inherit all of dad's junk in new york not the word that she used, but that's the word I'll use today. <laughs> right, right. She says, how would you like to buy us out from the estate? And I need to know in 15 minutes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Nothing like changing your life and you only have 15 minutes to do it. Yeah. And at the time, I think my kids were at Disneyland or something. I was sitting at home by myself. We had literally had about a 12-minute conversation, and the family held a note on the cows and the equipment, and we've been leasing the farm from them since 2007 or eight. Oh, wow. And uh, it's been a hell of a ride. Right. It's me and my oldest son are here now. My youngest son was here, and he decided that, you know, he was going to go do something else for a little while, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know. Still have hope that he'll come back. Gunner's the one that he's like Evie is for Robert. You know, I mean, he's five years old. He showed a steer that uh, was better than any steer I've ever showed in my entire life. And that just set the hook for him. And he's been all in ever since then. He's had the opportunity. He's interned for some people, you know, from here to South Dakota and Nebraska. You know, we send him away in the summertime and let him intern with some different people. And get some experience and before he was 18 he was fitting on better cattle at national shows than than i ever did it wasn't the experience that i had growing up but he's had it already and he's a way better fitter than i ever thought that i could be we did a lot of showing when he when they were in the junior program and we've kind of transitioned a little bit away from that and got back to where my kind of cows not far off the way robert thinks uh Mm -hmm. moderate frame functional good-footed, no-maintenance kind of cows, good uttered, good feet, 
I still like them pretty nice fronted, but they don't have to be show fronted. And right. But we finish all of our own steers and some of our customer steers. We got a pretty decent meat business going that we've worked at for a decade, and that's kind of made our cash flow. And between that and, and we sell most of our stuff is sold private treaty. We sell uh, all of our bulls private treaty, and most of the females that we sell are private treaty. Okay. So your meat deal, a custom meat deal, you have that many that many clients that you're, what are you feeding, 60, 70 head or so and, and killing them custom? Yeah. I mean, we always have between 75 and 100 steers on feed. It seems like it, it never gets below 75. But yeah, we've, uh, we got hooked up with a home delivery company that's about halfway between me and New York City. And um, he's been a customer for seven or eight years, and, and he's a steady customer every month. We've got a couple of farm markets. We've got a handful of restaurants. Um, I had a farm store for seven or eight years. So we've tried every, we've played the farm market game. You know, we've transitioned to a more of a wholesale approach to it and let other people deal with the people. Right. And we can do what we do better. We can raise it. We can get them, you know, we grow all of our own stuff here. You know, that's what we can do. I don't want to, I mean, I, I, we know how to raise them and truck them and cut them and wrap them and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, let somebody else deal with John Q public for the most part. And right. uh, then everybody gets to make a little money. And, and we've actually made some female customers just from selling people beef and, uh, you know, letting them sell it at their farm store. Or it's been a symbiotic relationship and it's a lot less stressful for me now that we don't have the store open. <laughs> right. Right now that you don't have to deal with the public all the time. And, and mm-hmm. like you say, like you say, do what you do what you do without having to put up with some of those things, I guess. Yeah. You say your herd's pretty commercial. I'd say we treat it like it's a commercial herd. We don't creep feed any calves. If you don't get pregnant in a 75-day window, they leave. If we trim their feet, they leave. If they don't have a calf every year, they leave. You know, if they raise a calf below average or is not a keeper, Mm -hmm. they leave. Uh, You know, we just, we don't make any excuses for them. I don't, it costs the same amount of money to feed a good one as it does to feed a bad one. You're exactly right. You know, we've been fortunate. We've raised some pretty damn good bulls that we've used that have left some awesome females for us. And I've bought some pretty good bulls that we've been lucky enough to use. We actually, this spring, I bought LD Grazer from Musgraves. Mm -hmm. And he's walking the pasture here. And I don't expect that I'll AI a single cow this fall. He'll be cleaned up 50 cows and bred 35 in the spring. And he'll breed another 35 this fall. And, uh, we're really excited for his first calves to come in the spring. He's the kind of bull that I, I wish they were all like that. I wish it would be that easy. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like you've made your life a lot easier, not dealing with the retail stuff. And now you're limiting some of your AI stuff and not having to do all well, that. That Shoot. That sounds pretty good to me. Well, <laughs> 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 you know, I, I'd like to say that as I'm getting older, I'm getting wiser, but uh, a lot of people would argue with that. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Robert's going to stay quiet on that, but it sounds to me like you're you're doing well for yourself and, and getting rid of, of some of those things that um, maybe you don't need, I guess. Well, we said and really looked at it from a time, a money, and an energy standpoint, you know, buying semen, cycling cows, 
AI in cows, mm-hmm. AI certificates, semen mm-hmm. costs, all these things, and where we were at and what, what we could on a bull. And, you know, we stole Grazer. I mean, I, I'd have paid more for him if they asked it. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, Tyler and I had this conversation. Oh, okay. And, and uh, he told me what the people after I bought him were offering him the people after me were in the 20 and thirty thousand dollar range and they would have been right Uh, right i don't know maybe i'm just getting slower i don't know but (laughs) i'm don't get me wrong we're still gonna ai cows but we're still pretty excited about him right now and he's gonna be perfect on, on our z11 daughters and that was the plan i mean we had actually tried i was sitting online trying to buy a grazer son in their sale and i couldn't get one bought for what i ended up buying grazer for so oh, yeah that was the direction we wanted to go and when the opportunity came we jumped at it and it's fortunate yeah and you've got some grazer influence coming here in this sale uh yeah there's a couple of cows bred to them yep we've uh actually there's a couple of z11 daughters that are bred to them so that's uh that you know that was the mating that we were trying to make and i i think those are going to be really special because those are two breeding like to like and and knowing what you're going to get and the cow families that are behind those cows uh, i know robert talked about longevity mm-hmm. our 994 cow the alila she goes back to a cow that we got from Robert Elliott that had a couple of bulls in stud. She had her last calf for me when she was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And every one of her daughters, you look down her pedigree, we still have all of her daughters. I mean, that's the only reason we can get rid of this two-year-old is because we have so many from that family because the longevity is bred into that family from the ground up. I don't know if she ever had her feet trimmed when she was in Tennessee, but I know that they were never touched when she came to New York. So, mm-hmm. Good deal. You guys have a couple more consigners in this sale. McCrackens are also in this sale, and Hinkleys are also in this sale. Can one of you guys tell us just a little bit about their program? Sure. Uh, Roger and, and Alice McCracken have been uh, partners in our sale for quite a long time, uh, at least the last 10 years, maybe a little bit longer. Roger's been in the residence business since since the early 90s. He got into it. He's like me. He's a reformed dairyman. He got tired of milking cows and jumped into the Angus business. Solid AI program, mostly been using Gen X bulls. And he's shown at State Fair in the past and won cow-calf division and half division there a couple of different times. Their cattle are pretty extensively grazed. They feed little silage during the winter, but they, uh, they basically are or grazing them in the summer it still has a pretty strong ai program just got a very solid herd they're, they're generally got good feet and legs they have excellent udders um, really good other quality right through that herd and we always trying to get him to part with two or three heifers he doesn't want to get rid of um, <laughs> right he's got a couple in here yeah well he made my daughter go through his calves and pick the ones she likes and then he's consigning those <laughs> so, so uh, for sure i know that the two heifer calves and one of the bread heifers are ones that we we've looked at and then actually the eagle eye heifer is one that i looked at as a calf last year and kind of picked her out of the lot and then we didn't go any further on her but he has some good ones and he's just a good guy he he, he knows his cattle he knows what he wants and he, he does an excellent job andrew hinckley has been a, a bull customer of mine since uh, Oh, 2005, I think he bought his first bull from me in partnership with a, another guy that had a, a registered herd. Over the years, he's bought several more bulls. And just the last couple of years, he started to get back into the registered Angus again. He, he was away from it a little while, but he bought a couple of bred heifers from me, a couple of pretty good ones, actually. 
And so he's selling a couple of bred females that are bred to one of my bulls and then a couple of heifer calves by a bull that's actually my maternal brother to the heifer pregnancy that we're going to sell in the sale as well. So there's a lot of our genetics that's kind of wound in through some of this stuff. One of Roger's lots is actually out of a flush sister to a cow we won state fair with in 2016. So, Funny. you know, and I like, I've used mirror image, the bull that uh, Z11 that, that Doug had. Uh, we've got him wild through some of our pedigrees. He was just a really awesome looking bull and very sound and functional. And we've got quite a few good daughters out of him. So although we've all got our own program, right. we all kind of see similar things and we try and consign cattle that are similar, going to be patterned and similar purpose. Right. Very good. Again, we're talking about the Tully Fergus Angus sale. And again, it is going to be in Lyons, New York. You guys are going to have some feeder calves and some select female lots and, and future herd sires. And the feeder calves thing, it, explain that just a little. I've, I've marketed feeder calves from our bull customers from the get-go. Ah, okay. The first herd that I came to manage here was selling bulls. And I basically chased down their bull customers and said, what do you think of the idea of bull marketing your feeder steers? Mm-hmm. And we had two or three people jumped on it. And we put them basically out to the private bid. And we did that for probably seven or eight years and the same buyer was coming back every year wanting these calves and he always put a a very fair market price and and typically it was 15 to 20 cents over the top end of the the local feeder market oh wow good and we were offering a guaranteed product we were weaning them they were dry and healed castrated they were bunk broke they were vaccinated and boosted they were dewormed they were healthy and they were ready to go and gain and people who bought them found that they did perform on the rail as well and they were they were getting pretty good premiums for those carcasses so it got to the point where people wanted to come in and take 20 here from here and 20 from there and we we decided for the best thing to do was just to throw them all in the sale sure and bid them off and sell them for projected delivery date you know before the snow flies so mm-hmm. somewhere around the middle of november Mm-hmm. and with all those things done and specify a vaccination program and and so we started doing that and every year we sold more and more and more now the last two years have been a bit of a disaster because of the whole covid thing and right and the kind of sale took a bit of a almost a hiatus we were still marketing some of the feeder calves but not as many as we had in the past mm-hmm. and this year is probably the smallest group we'll have sold in probably 15 years but i think part of that is due to the stronger market and i think a lot of a lot more buyers are trying to source some of these cows right off the farm and not go through the sale mm-hmm. but we sell them on the front end of the sale um, it's a service for our, our bull customers and we want them to know that they're important to our business and right. and by offering their feeder calves through our sale goes them to a bigger audience bigger pool of buyers and better prices and we typically are 20 to 30 cents over the local market usually it's got a sale that same day and we're usually over the top of anything they have they're a decent market so we do that and then that also establishes a commercial base in what are these purebred field males worth to someone right right it's a weaned heifer calf that might be a show prospect well if you just sold the steers for a couple bucks a pound right then you've got a real commercial floor in there so that's the kind of deal that that we do with them interesting way to go about that don't see that very often it, it takes a little time and it takes a little effort but it's, it's worthwhile because it's driven our bull sales for sure right it's also it, it's new york and and we have to do things a little bit different out of necessity because we don't have the numbers right right natalie fergus angus sale saturday october 22nd starts at noon 
uh, yep. on that day. So uh, you guys are going to start or you start the catalog. Where can we find the catalog? First of all, it's right there on, on Robert Groom, your Facebook page. I know that much. Yeah, and it's on our website, uh, polyfergus.com. There's a link right to it there, and you, you can go right into it to there. We do have some hard copies available. We've actually got the second round of, of the hard copies are coming in the mail because uh, uh, there was a glitch on the first round, and oh, one wow. of the lots is missing. So, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so, <laughs> oops. So, uh, but anyway, uh, there'll be some hard copies available, especially for those people that just show up. I mean, we live in an area that there's a lot of Amish and Mennonites, Mm-hmm. And I do quite a bit of business with them. They're not on the internet, and they're they want to see a catalog, right. and so I'll be I'll be dropping them off, and and you know there'll be some of our, our feeder buyers, and there might be even some of our cow buyers, and right. so we'll we'll be dealing with those. But it's available online and pretty easy to go through. It's not a huge book. We don't have as many lots this year as we've had in past years, but right. we're just kind of getting this back into it again and and doing it again. Yeah, and we're starting out. We sold a bulls prior treaty for a few years now. We used to sell our bulls. As spring calves in the fall for delivery the next year and we've just put three of them in this time just kind of offer them up and, and see what kind of reception they get a couple of flush brothers and one that's out of a, another cow from the same cow family by a, a bull we tried this year called uh, ellingson practical mm-hmm. and uh, he left us a really good set of calves i mean we've got a half a calf that hasn't been beaten in class yet that we've been showing since late summer Mm-hmm. Uh, just a March heifer calf. We got the heifer calf that we're we're selling the sale out of. It's a flush sister to the the lot two bull, and that cow's raising a whale of a heifer calf of her own, as well. So we've got you know those genetics, but we want to offer something that we think is pretty special. I mean, the two flush brothers both had adjusted two hundred fives around seven hundred fifty pounds, and we don't creep feed. Oh wow, yeah. This is their recipient's milk and grass, and they just crush the scales. And and this other, the lot two bull, isn't far behind. He adjusted right at 685. And they're all ET calves, so I mean, obviously the ratios don't mean anything. But we think they're three really good, solid prospects that, that represent our program, that represent the cow families that we're really working with, and the sires that we found that really work and give our customers something to, to tie to. So. Right. We're going to offer those up. We'll probably sell the feeder cows first, and then we'll probably, probably roll into those. We've got some interest on them already, so that's good. We're, mm-hmm. We'll probably just roll on through and then go into those females. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my plan right now. Plans change, but that's where we're at, I think. Right. you got eight open females. Mm-hmm. Well, hit some, hit some highlights on some of those as well. Well, I think uh, uh, Roger has a, a really good one. It's, it's by one of his own bulls. Again, you know, I don't think any of us are averse to using our own bulls, our own genetics. And if you look at the pedigrees, you're going to see that too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're quite happy to use those bulls and get that, those cows to go through our program again, try and reintroduce them in different ways. But that Cam Heifer, her grand dam's Cam of, of Woodlawn, uh, her dam back through was a, was the Whitestone donor cow and back page of the journal for a long time. Uh, the 119 cow. I actually selected that 875 cow from the Woodlawn dispersal in uh, what was 2005, mm-hmm. and uh, we acquired her from the, the dispersal of the herd that got her at that dispersal. And she's a really good one. I think that heifer's going to have a pretty good future. The one from Hinkley's bad efficient out of bull. Again, he's he's out of that mother of the uh, the pregnancy we're offering and at a c11 son just a really stout bull the 189 cow the dam of that heifer is just a beautiful female just a perfect wedge perfect feet and legs we had a barrage of white bull that that 
he's he's the sire of that Erica cow. Uh, left us some really good females, and that heifer I think is has got a world of potential too. Um, she's quite young, but I, she just has a real good look to her. And then I guess that 11k heifer of ours, she reminds me of her granddad, that Forever Lady 274. She was a right time daughter out of a fish hook cow that we bought from their dispersal in the early 2000s. By practical, I think she's just a real breeding piece. I think she's something that you could really tie to. You could go a lot of different ways on her. Her mother's just going to be a phenomenal breeding cow. She's pictured there with the bull that's a service sire on some of those bred heifers. And she had a rough start in life. Her, She was the last natural cow for that 274 cow. The old cow got sick in the early spring and, and died on us in March. And so she got orphaned at like four months old mm-hmm. and she struggled a bit. But man, she's just developed into a beautiful cow mm-hmm. and just a really good producer. She's got a whale of a heifer calf again this time and we're probably going to flush her again next spring. Mm-hmm. And then another of her descendants is the lot nine, the 7K heifer. She's just nice fronted angular female. Her dam was probably the best two-year-old we carved out. I think that's a pedigree that's going to be pretty useful to a lot of people as well. Right. Um, they'd, be, they'd be my highlights. I mean, that's what I'd pick out of there. You sent me a picture of the 7K there, the lot nine. And yeah. Yeah, you want to talk about front end, sweet front end, nice little head on her, and just an attractive female. Yeah, she didn't, you know, really crush the scale. She ended up with like a 572 adjusted weight, which is, you know, not going to knock a lot of people out, but... That was a two-year-old that did that, and she did it on her own. You know, it was mm-hmm. no, no creep, no nothing. Just get out there and graze. And cow bred back right on time. She actually picked up a little bit of time and kind of calved right in early January again. And so there's some pieces there that are pretty interesting. I comment on some of the others. You know, anyone can call me up anytime. Tell these cows. I think there's some, some real useful cows in there. Right. In the making. Right. Black granite there on the the lot eleven. And yeah, uh, again, yeah. another one you sent me a picture of, and, and boy, she's a nice one as well. And pictured right there in the catalog as well. Yes, and and she's, you know, she's just kind of, we picked those those uh, those fall heifers after they were uh, weaned in the spring. I mean, we basically kicked them out on pasture as a mob and ignored them all summer. <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> yeah. just, you know, we moved them around once in a while, and uh, they're just developing out into just a nice set of replacement females. And we figured, well, we'll, we'll go pick one out of there. and. Right. Um, she was probably the the lightest weaning weight. She was actually raised on a uh, an old Charley cow that didn't. I think she was more of a companion than a <laughs> than a nurse cow. Oh, right. um, but but she was a pretty nice companion, easy to get along with, and she did a nice job. But um, she didn't didn't have a huge weaning weight. But she just keeps on developing and filling out. And I, I think she's going to be uh, be a very good cow prospect down the road here. We, if we if she was here, we'd probably breed her up to, uh, oh, sits resilient, or um, you know, we might go with that Rainmaker forty four oh four bull mm-hmm. on her as well. And mm-hmm. uh, again, just you know, some good cows and some some good type in there. Mm-hmm. Got a couple bred females as well. Got four of those in the sale. Yeah, yeah, and again, you know, a little bit of influence from from our herd in there from Hinkley's. Again, daughter of that Erica cow, I think she's going to be a pretty good one. And then, of course, you're going to stack that Forever Lady cow family in there as well, which is oh yeah, which is always good. The one out of the Bridget cow, Bridget was a as a descendant of a cow I bought from Kelly Schaff. She was the mother of a bull we bought from them in 2003 or four, and that bull passed away unfortunately at the end of the first season. And so I contacted Kelly about, you know, maybe I, I try and buy his dam. And uh, he made me a, a very good deal on it. He made a, a 
very fair deal on her. She was a 598 daughter, probably the best one I'd ever seen. She had twin heifers for me the next spring, then we flushed her and we got three new day daughters out of her. Jeez. These go back to the, one of those new day daughters. Again, they stuck around forever. I think the granddam of this one, uh, I think we called her in, she must have been 12 or 13 years old. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of power in there. And actually, on the bottom side, that Beacon Bull would be another Z11 son. So he worked real good for us, and, uh, and that's they're pretty good females. Right. Yeah, and then that, that Eagle Eye daughter, I say, was one we picked out when we were looking through calves last year, and then we picked her out again when we went through uh, Roger's breads. Uh, he wasn't wild about parting with her, but <laughs> she's bred to homegrown, and homegrown's a sire of the practical bull. So right. there's a lot to like there, and I'm going to have to tie Evie's hands together when that one comes in, <laughs> in the ring. So, um, she may she, stay right yes. there where she's at, then, where she, where she <laughs> There's always that risk. <laughs> and that's good for the both of you, because you guys can pick up some genetics that you guys have brought in from other people, and, mm-hmm. and those guys have a, have a place to go with them and, and know that you're going to support them. Absolutely. A couple lots of bred cows in here, and not very old bred cows. No, I'll let Doug speak on his first because I've been rattling on here for a little bit. Sure. <laughs> well, we just got the three, we got three bred cows in sale. You know, Robert had called me about the sale again and I drugged my feet because I left that out in the beginning, but we were expecting another baby in August and I was a little busy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so we're starting all over again. So I, we didn't get any pictures taken. I put these cows in, but these are, these are three cows that, probably three of my favorite cows the 510 cow 20 yes the titan daughter she goes all the way back to if you go way back in her pedigree she goes back to linbray ext 546 cow that won the kansas state futurity in 95 or 96 mm-hmm. and we bought her out of that futurity sale tom burke actually sent her to highfield and with all the $100,000 cows and everything that were there, she was my very favorite cow on the whole farm. Oh, wow. You know, years later, we'd end up selling her to Anderson Circle for like, I don't know, $10,000 in that first sale. And I ended up buying a daughter of her back. Mm-hmm. And I never got the old cow back, but I got a daughter of her. And, and we probably end up, I don't, we must have 10 or 12 descendants of that daughter in the herd still. But this is a just a picture-perfect moderate frame perfect uttered good footed nice fronted just an ideal angus female in my brain anyway mm-hmm. that's a really nice one and she's got a set of numbers to go with her as well you know titan helps that pretty good i mean mm-hmm. that was a mike Sorensen talked me into trying titan years ago and probably a bull i never would have used but he was out there and uh and saw the bull and saw some calves and he's like yeah you need to buy a cane of this and give it a try mm-hmm you know, we weren't disappointed. The Juliet cow, her mother was my pick of the bred heifers at Penn State one year when we were down there. A little bigger frame probably than the Titan daughter. Again, the same type of cow. Huge middle kind of a cow, really powerful, yet still has enough femininity. Again, if we didn't have her mother, that's the kind of cow that you couldn't get rid of. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I still have her mother. So started to talk about the 994 cow. Mm-hmm. which Lot would be 18. 18, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. She goes back to that Robert Elliott cow. Every one of those Alila cows, it didn't seem to matter what we bred that family to. Every one of them was good. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, uh, they clicked. They were just good cattle, every one of them. I mean, we had, I think her granddam, I think is a 2,500, 
and she was one of the heaviest milking 2500s that ever walked the face of the earth that whole family i mean we've bred them to again i mean she's got loot in her pedigree i mean we thought enough of that family to 300 loot semen on them to make show heifers for the kids to show you know back right. a few years ago so that's a good one and a good young cow that's done a nice job you know there's sure i'm sure there's holes in all of them but you know i'd stand you know i stand behind all of them mm-hmm. there's three that i'd keep in a heartbeat the hardest thing about picking cattle for a sale is to put the ones in you don't want to sell right yeah and somebody said the other night if, if it doesn't hurt why well, you might not be using the right one so so uh yeah we've we've put a, a couple of bred cows in there i i you know we talked about having not enough characters for the name the old primrose lady cow the, the lot the 16 she's a, a a good example of what we're trying to do with our breeding program the dam side pacific was actually out of a sister to the 327 cow and so they all go back to that 175k cow i bought from uh, sunny valley back in the day she was a daughter 194h back to 9440 who i think was a dam of bandolier and that cow was just a phenomenal cow she was here till she was uh, 12 or 13 years old we've had several of her daughters last till they were 12 or 13 years old uh, 327 was born in 07 and i think we only called her in 2000 i think oh wow yeah and in that time i think she raised two different sets of twins and then uh um, we always like to go back in with the you know the forever lady cow family and that that foresight bull would have been the last natural son of old right time cow by uh, z11 and we used him heavy in the commercial herd we've got a lot of nice daughters there and we used him some in the registered herd and eating it very well with them and those young cows are going to be pretty good and then bred back to a bull that again we, we sold him to a commercial herd about i don't know six seven years ago did a really good job there we bought him back and we used him on cleanup we got a first couple calves out of him this fall they look really stout mm-hmm. and uh, we got a few cows bred to him for next spring that's from our Miss Burgess cow family, and uh, he's. Uh, it's just a really. Uh, that's what we want to do. We just want to keep stacking those good cows in there, and, and keep stacking those good bulls in there, and, and have something that's you know predictable and longevity. And then the blackbird cow is is my daughter's show heifer from last year. Raised a really good bull calf. Going to have an exclusive bull calf this time. Just a nice, moderate frame, correct female. I think she'll be a good cow for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. That was a little trade-off I did, you know. <laughs> Too many of these cows have got uh, Evie as the owner now, and uh, she's going to have to sell some of hers too. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can't, can't right. keep them all. So she's going to be hurting on this deal a little bit as well because that heifer pregnancy that's on the back cover is actually inside a registered Charlie that she showed at Junior Nationals about four years ago. Mm-hmm. That cow raised a whale of an ET bull calf this time. We started using some of these Charlie cows as research, not so much because of, you know, selling Charlie progeny. It was because there's a, a strong twinning gene in that Charlie line that we've got. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the only way to break them of having twins is to throw an egg in them. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. True. So at least that For only sure. starts out as one, you know. So. <laughs> and, and we've got several of those calves. Of that mating on the ground this fall uh, mm-hmm. one heifer calf that's actually on cow that raised the foundation bull that weaned off there like 757 she mm-hmm. is good she is really good and the donor dam of those those embryo calves in this pregnancy is a phenomenal cow she coming up on 10 years old she was actually born in the spring of 2013 
and she had her first calf at 21 or 22 months in January and we oh, kept wow. backing her up and now she's been a September calver for years and now she's an August calver because we in vitro the last fall mm-hmm. phenomenal cow we had a full sister to her that was born in 2005 uh, that was still here at 15 Jeez. and and the granddad was here at 12 or 13 the great granddad was around till she was 12 or 13 actually the great granddad was the first cow we flushed mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. Uh, when we came to the states so it's just been a really solid cow family and that cow's been a really consistent breeder and I think this is a no miss mating. I we ended up with a couple of bull calves out of our reverse sort sex sex ultrasound deal. Um mm-hmm. but the bull calf we got on the ground this fall, if there's more like him in the tank, I'm good with that. Yeah. Because he's really good. Right. I wasn't really expecting it, but he's good. Right. So yeah, we uh uh, we kind of use a little bit of a show bull on her, and right. but they're pretty good calves. I like them a lot. Right. We'll we'll probably show one next summer. I I wouldn't be shocked if one of these these heifer calves that we got this fall ends up at nationals next summer. Right, cool. Yeah, and the Cadillac Ranch, uh, those guys are are going after him. Yeah, and after those yeah. progeny, and you got it right here in a heifer pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, if you don't want to throw another egg in this Charlotte cow, you can breed a straight because she's bred some pretty good straight Charlotte calves too. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are like, oh, you got an egg in her. So, you know, she's just a recip, but it's like, wait a minute, guys, we can come right back with her <laughs> and we can do whatever we want with her late the next year. Right. right. So Some of them are just recips just because of, you know, chance. They, they happen to cycle just at the right time. <laughs> right. <that laughs> right. I want this instead of that. So you're exactly right. Again, the Tolly Fergus Angus sale, Lions, New York, Saturday, October 22nd. And guys, anything else we need to know about this sale or or these cattle? I was confident, and uh, phone numbers are in the book. Call us anytime, any of the owners on any of the cattle. We're going to try and get some sale videos and more pictures posted up here over the next week and a half. We don't have an online presence for the sale, but we always pick up the phone. Right. Yeah, I would encourage anybody that's interested to call one of the numbers in the book and talk to somebody uh, refreshing to hear the honesty that with what these four guys will speak to you with right right yeah and over those you talk about a not a online we'll try to get you online uh get us some of those pictures and some of those things and and we'll put some things up on our facebook page and all we're on snapchat and all kinds of different places so uh, yeah, you guys get those, and we'll get this podcast video ready, and, and those guys can, can watch those on that podcast video if, if they don't find them from you guys somewhere. That'd be awesome. Really appreciate it. Doug, Robert, man, it's it's been a lot of fun, and I appreciate you getting us through these cattle. And, man, you, you guys have stories that just very, very interesting. And, and one of the things I love about this thing, and when we started it, was, was meeting people from all across the country and, and different operations. And, and now we're, you know, we've been international once, but we're international kind of again there with, with Robert coming in from Scotland. So, uh, man, I think I'm an American now. Okay. I want to be perfectly, <laughs> perfectly straightforward on that. I, I am an American legal, legal American, legal American. Yeah. Absolutely. Proud to be. I think that's great. It was pretty interminable <laughs> and pretty expensive, but you know, the reward was to swear allegiance to the flag. Right. And, uh, that's, that was the proudest day in my life. Awesome. No kidding. I don't think we could end it any better than that. Guys. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Thank you very much. 
Great to meet with you guys. Great to talk with you. Again, the Tolly Fergus Angus Sale, Lions, New York, Saturday, October 22nd, starts at noon in Robert's New Barn that he just put up a couple years ago. So uh, be there for that. And, uh, again, the feeder calves, select female lots, and the future herd sires, be there to get those. And, again, call those guys in the catalog. Watch for the podcast video if you're not watching it right now. And so uh, we appreciate these guys being on with us, and we appreciate you listening to another edition of 